98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. On this Wednesday afternoon, good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. Here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station, we are live from the Octane Community Studios. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hello, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Congratulations to your Yankees. Uh, It was a big win last night. night. Finally, finally, you got a Garrett Cole win. Garrett Cole got a win, and they're up 1-0 over the Mm. Guardians. Of course, the Dodgers up 1-0 over the Padres. Uh, That was so frustrating. The, the Dodgers just Padres watching game? the Dodgers win. It's just so frustrating. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? It's just like, I hate the Dodgers. Know, but, hey, if they win it all, I owe you lunch. You will owe me At lunch. I'd rather have that. I'd rather owe you lunch. I'd I would rather, rather you, you owe me lunch, too. I yeah. think we all win when you owe me lunch. So I get a free lunch out of it, and we don't have to we go through. We all win with so, Ak uh, Well, that too. That but, too. Um, we also all win when the Dodgers lose, because I we get do. a lunch out of it, and mm-hmm. we don't have to suffer the indignity of watching division rivals celebrate another world. World Series championship. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Uh, let's get uh, right down to business here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Weigh in on our top story of the day. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Our top story of the day is it's a shame that the Cardinals are so banged up at the running back position because, my oh, I know. goodness, they could run all over Seattle if they wanted to. At least Seattle's they run defense is the worst like, in the history of the NFL. Like, they were like, this so bad. And the Cardinals, and listen, we had a lot of the news yesterday. You know, we were, we were first to report that Jonathan Ward was going to go on the injured reserve. And the first to report that Corey Clement was going to be signed to the practice squad. Um, but just a lot of transactions in that running back room, man. A lot of transactions there. Yeah, there, there have been a ton. Um, Corey Clement practice squad. Tyson Williams practice squad. You mentioned both of those. Jonathan Ward put on the IR. You mentioned that as well. There's a report that Daryl Williams is going to miss this game five game this week against the Seahawks with a sprained knee. Uh, We've got a lot of Cliff Kingsbury sound that we will play for you later in the show that's more that's more broad and less specific. So I'll play a couple cuts here because it relates directly to the availability of some of these guys. Um, he was asked today, will you have any of these practice squad running backs active for Sunday? Here's what he said. Day to day. Um, not sure yet. It'll be later on in the week. Uh, James obviously is very familiar with the system, so if he can go late in the week, he'll go. And then um, Daryl, we'll see how that goes. But we wanted to make sure we had our bases covered and brought on some guys who played and um, – Run some experience. The report that Daryl Williams is out came from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. He's yeah, I was told yesterday that uh, it was probably going to be a week or so, uh, but they weren't exactly sure and ready to rule him out yet. But yesterday, when you asked me, hey, find out about D. Well, what I found out is they probably think it's going to be a week or so. So I imagine he misses this game, and we'll see. I mean, with that, that type of sprain, it could be two, three, four weeks. We don't know, but he's definitely not playing this week. Which means Eno time Let's for go. the Cardinals. Yeah, he can. I mean, he, he did it in college. Obviously, it's a different level, but he's. Um, um, worked really hard. If this is his opportunity, uh, we have all the faith in the world that he'll go out and give us everything he's got. And I've been impressed with, with what he's done, like I've said, um, over the last couple of years. The improvement and, and the maturity he's shown has really been impressive. You're going to have to set the over-under at some point during the week, you know? <laughs> Seattle's run defense versus Eno Benjamin. <laughs> what is it? You What's going to be the over-under on Eno Benjamin? It's funny. Remember at the beginning of the year when I did that, when Rondell Moore hurt his hamstring yeah. like, that week in practice? And you asked me to set the over-under on Andy. 
Andy Isabella, and three weeks later he got cut because he wasn't the guy. It was Greg mm, Dorch. It was Dorch. It's got to be Eno. Um, if it's if it's not James, all right. And and the, let's take note of the fact that Cliff, you know, said, "Hey, James, we'll see." He's a guy who doesn't need to practice a whole lot this week for him to be ready on Sunday. So if we don't see him, and I got the injury report here in front of me, I'll pass it along in a second. James Conner could be one of those guys that's a DNP, DNP, maybe even a Friday DNP, and still be able to go because he knows so well what they're sure. trying to do, yeah. right? So And I got a big maybe out of him. He knows good to go. Conner's a maybe. Ward to the IR. D. Will's going to be week to week, but out this week. They signed the two running backs to the practice squad, and if need be, one or both of them could be active for the game. I will. I promise you. At some point later this week, you will get. I'll give you that over under on over Eno. under on Eno carries yeah. and Eno yards. I'll right. start to. I'll start to work on that. You work on that. Um, before we tell you the rest about the Cardinals, because there's a lot more. Let's kind of circle since we're on the running back topic. This Seattle run. The defense is uh, beyond. I mean, they're, they're giving up. To borrow Gambo phrase, they're giving up yards like it's going out of style. Every team they play, they're getting mauled in the ground game right now. Yeah, just every team they've played. It's a lot of carries, lots of yards, a lot of guys having success. It's a terrible run defense, which is why when you look at the Cardinals, there's a golden opportunity to run against one of the worst defenses against the run in the National Football League. So it sucks that they got a lot of key guys, you know, some key guys may be out because, you know, full full team of running backs. Now, listen, maybe it's Eno and it's Keontae Ingram and we'll we'll see what happens, but whoever they put out there, you would expect, even even if James and D-Will can't go, you would expect whoever they play will have some success. Yeah, I mean, it's New Orleans 48 rushes, 235 yards. San Francisco, 45 for 189. Atlanta, 31 one carries for 179. Detroit, 25 rushes for 145 yards. It's like, God, there's just, there's yeah. just such this opportunity in front of you if you're the Cardinals offense to find your get right game against Seattle and you go into the game and, and you know, we'll see what Keontae Ingram can do, like you said a second ago. Um, and, and Eno and who knows, maybe James is ready, but this is, this is the week you'd love to have those guys because, man, that's defense... hope it doesn't come down to a field goal. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Wait or no. No, it doesn't, doesn't look like he'll make it this week. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully by, by next Thursday we'll see how that goes. Crater is a no. He's week to week. They are, the, the Arizona Cardinals are doubling down on some Matt Amendola. Yes, they, they are. They are doubling down on Matt Amendola. He signed kicker Matt Amendola from yep. the practice squad. He's the guy. Matt Prater's been. There's no other kicker. He, he, it's him. Yeah, I mean it, it's him. And oh boy, <laughs> strap in real tight. Let's listen, see what we got uh, on that. Yeah, right. I mean, listen. You'll, you know, you can you, you can't lose another game because of your kicker. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. So, I mean, the Chiefs had signed him to the practice squad. He had had stints with Carolina, the Jets, the Texans, and um, you know, came here. He missed that big kick last week. That was a huge kick. Could have forced overtime, and he missed it wide right. He was pushing everything right. Justin Pugh came out in, su- in support of him in a locker room after the game, and they are sticking with them. Now, they worked out a bunch of kickers. They believed in the kid. They believed in him. They thought he was the best out of the group that they worked out. Blankenship, and he, that he, they thought Amendola was the best. He missed the kick. They still think that he's their best option. It's very simple. They think that he gives them their best option to make field goals. Look, let's be, you said this Monday, Tuesday. I can't remember. Look, if you're a free agent kicker available right now, there's a reason. 
there's a reason why you're out there. You there's a kicks. reason why you're unemployed. You're unreliable. You miss kicks. You're not. I mean, kicking as a full time profession anyway is kind of fraught with danger, right? I mean, it's hard enough to do as it is with the pressure that goes with that position. If you're an unemployed NFL kicker, nine times out of ten, there's a reason why you're unemployed. There are rely. So you you say go get somebody else. Okay, yeah, who who? Because everybody else he gets gonna have flaws. Everybody else he gets gonna, you know, be a guy that, that, that there's a reason he's available. And I'm not saying that to defend the organization or anything like that. Just kind of pointing out the reality that man, the supply and demand of kickers available off the street there, the supply and demand's way out of whack. Right? There's yeah. no supply and there's a lot of demand and it's way out of whack. Yeah, I mean, Dola had that bay. You know, the, the Chiefs got rid of him quickly, right? Yes, I mean, the Chiefs they well, they still haven't gotten Butker back, have they? No, but they signed. Uh, they had the guy that they had signed was Matthew Wright to the practice squad. Um, you know, this was like in late September. That was when they, you know, Amendola had the poor week three game against the Colts, and so they end up, you know, they end up making the change. So like. You know, they moved on from him rather quickly. Yeah. I got one more position that we need to talk about beyond running back, beyond kicker, and that is the center position. Now, the, the Cardinals only went through a walkthrough today. They've got two games in nine days. They're, they're taking it kind of easy with all the injuries. But I'll tell you, Rodney Hudson did not practice today. His backup, Sean Harlow, was limited in practice today. Here's Cliff. He's day-to-day. I mean, he wasn't out there today. Uh, we wanted to feel great. It's a long season. Uh, you know, we, we really struggled last year when he went out. I felt like... Um, um, he was a part of that that deal offensively that um, you know we, we took a step back, but uh, we want to be smart. So I think it's it's really going to come down to how he feels this weekend. Yeah, it's you look at all the different injuries they've had, and that's one of you, you realize that hey, listen, that's a, that's a spot you just don't you know you, you just really really can ill afford to lose because of how comfortable Kyler is with him and how much he means to that offensive line. No doubt about it. Arizona going prime time next week is the Phoenix Suns tip off the NBA season against the Dallas Mavericks, and then the very next night the Arizona Cardinals take on the Saints for Thursday night football, and we're giving you the chance to experience both. In person. Text the word prime time to 62620, then listen for your name starting next Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games. Plus, one lucky winner each day will win their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. Again, text prime time to 62620. Did the Suns try to acquire a former sixth man of the year? Gambo's got the info you're going to want to hear on that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. Another day, another story about the vibe around the Phoenix Suns. I'm telling you, the we're vibe. gonna wear that word out. Instead of the valley, it should just be the vibe. The New Jersey. The New Jersey. The vibe. the vibe. Actually, they're not, they don't have the Valley jersey this year. Oh, they don't have it. No, they, they could only do a two-year run with it. That's it. So that oh, they came okay. out with a, a different Valley-looking jersey, but yeah. it's not quite the same. I'm going to I'm going to just go friends. with the vibe. <laughs> you I'm know all what? over it. The vibe. Every article you read about the Suns these days, the vibe, the vibe, the yeah. vibe. What's wrong with the vibe? Man, a lot of vibing going on over there. The latest one 
came from Jake Fisher, NBA insider for Yahoo Sports. You actually made an appearance on his what podcast today? Yeah, yes. I was uh, I was a guest for a half an hour on his podcast talking Phoenix Suns basketball, Jay Crowder, and everything else. He uh, and I I don't do his work enough credit because I, I led with the vibe thing. He wrote an article today on Yahoo Sports, and there's a ton of nuggets in there about the Suns. I don't know if all of them are true or not. I know you're you're going to talk about one of them here in just a second. Sure. Um, but man, there was a lot of interesting stuff in there about Jay Crowder and the Suns' approach to this and what they're kind of hoping to get out of a Jay Crowder trade. Let's start with the one thing that that we teased going into the segment, and that's about Jordan Clarkson. Yes. Uh, guard from the Utah Jazz, probably available because everybody on the Utah Jazz is available. The story <laughs> suggested that the Suns have inquired about adding Jordan Clarkson in a potential Jay Crowder trade. Yeah, Take that, it away. That part's not true. The Phoenix Suns have not inquired about Jordan Clarkson from the Jazz. They they have not inquired. If they did inquire, um, he could be moved. They they would be able to move him. But uh, it is not true that they have eyed Jordan Clarkson, that they have inquired about Jordan Clarkson. Now, a lot of people are going to ask, why, why, why? You know, Why? Listen, he's a good player, okay? He's a good player, and he can score. He's a definite scorer off the bench. But I would have to think that that salary of $13.3 million this year and then the player option next year of $14 million, like, and I think he would opt out and, and get a different deal. But it could be the salary. It, it could be, you know, having to add in that type of money on. If you if you get rid of Jay Crowder, um and his and, and you made a trade for for Clarkson. You're adding a little bit of salary. You are adding a little bit of salary. But then even next year, see, you're off for Jay Crowder next year. There's you know with Clarkson, if he picked up the option, you're at 14 million. If you liked him and you wanted to keep him, you'd, you'd be at a you know you'd be at a higher number. If you liked him and you wanted to keep him, you'd be at a much higher number. Yeah. I love him. I, I look. You know how excited we got about Boyan Bogdanovich yeah. mm-hmm. a few weeks ago before he got moved. Oh my goodness, this player on this roster. I mean, you talk about satisfying the win now. You you talk about addressing scoring off the bench. He's a great right? scorer off the he's bench. He's a great scorer off the bench. He's. I desperately wish the Suns would make an inquiry about a guy like Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, desperate. I think he like we talked yesterday mm-hmm. about has this team peaked or not. You go get a guy like Jordan Clarkson, right? You make a move like that to bolster your bench. I'm going to request that we redo that conversation because then I think the parameters for what the Suns can do change when they improve that bench and they give themselves that scoring option off the bench. A, I wish he, they would. He's a combo guard, so you can't look at him and say, okay, he could replace Chris Paul someday. He can. He's not a one. I wouldn't look at him like that, though. He's not a one. He's a one-two. He's a combo guard. He could dribble a little bit, so he can help you bring the ball up a little bit. Definitely more of a scorer than anything else. Can flat-out score, but he's different than Chris. He, but here's, here's the reality. You could get him. Okay, hear me out here. You could get Jordan Clarkson for a first-round pick in Jay Crowder. You could probably get him. It's a conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to hang the phone up on you. Hey, we'll give you Jay Crowder and a first-round pick for Jordan Clarkson. You're not going to get hung up on, okay? That's a conversation. Why would the Jazz trade Jordan Clarkson? Well, he's a free agent after this year if he doesn't pick up his player option. And he's a guy that can help them win. And when they're not trying to win basketball games, hey, you take, you know, you take him off. You can always, you know, cut Jay Crowder or just let him go somewhere else. You get another asset if you're the Jazz. You get another first round pick. So hear me out here. And I know you understand what I'm saying. If you did want Jordan Clarkson and you were willing to put a first round pick in the deal, 
it's likely that you would be in the ballpark. Like, you would be in the ballpark, first-round pick, and Jay Crowder for Jordan Clarkson is something that, you know, Mike, you, you can have a conversation on that. You might be able to get a deal done on that. Yeah, and I'm sure the question is, and we've addressed this so many times, but we'll say it again, are you using your draft picks for a player now, or are you, well, using, exactly are you saving your draft picks yeah. for a player later? And that is exactly and, and, the reason why I don't think they have not inquired about Jordan Clarkson now, but if they did, I think he'd be available to them. I, and and I get it. I understand, you know, socking it away for a rainy day and who knows what superstar is going to become available and you might be kicking yourself. If, Shea Gilgis-Alexander if, becomes available. You sure. traded a first for Clarkson and now you don't have the maximum amount of first to give to get Shea Gilgis. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what you're saying, but you can't ignore the now window either. You know, you can't. You can't pretend like what you've got now is enough because it probably isn't. So while I understand and balancing the need to save picks for the later window, for the post-Chris Paul window, which certainly will exist, you can't ignore the now window. And the now window is that Chris Paul's going to be 38 years old in May, and you've got to have a certain element of, hey, let's go for it. And Jordan Clarkson's very much a, hey, let's go for it guy. I I wish they would reconsider uh, and figure out what they're going to do there, um, because that is a very interesting name to me, and um, I would love to see them add a player like that, because I think that would spark back up this idea, hey, you know what? Maybe this year is the year for the Suns. Now, that said, there was a whole much more information in this article about the Suns and Jay Crowder. Um, According to the sources, the Suns are unwilling to offer an extension to Crowder that is similar to the value of like a Maxi Kleba or Larry Nance. True. Those guys got three years, 33 million, two years, 21 million. Suns don't want to do that for whatever reason. They want want the, because they are a tax player, they want the flexibility that comes with not having that, to have the flexibility that comes with just having that expire, that contract expire and go away. I get it. I'm not a tax pay- Well, I mean, I, I am a taxpayer. You are a taxpayer. Not so are you. Um, yes. But, but not the way they are. But I, I, you got a window to win like this. I think sometimes you have to ignore stuff like that and just go for it. But who's signing the checks? Um, Phoenix has informed inquiring teams. It only wishes to move Crowder for a player or combination of players who can help win now. That's true. They're not looking for trading Jay for a draft pick. Uh, they're looking to trade, trade Jay and get back a piece that can help them off the bench. You know, that's what they're looking for. You know, preferably scoring off the bench, which again, that's, you know, Clarkson was the sixth man of the year. Jordan Clarkson! But, you know, he is... Jordan Clarkson! um, Yeah, but his that contract, like I said, that contract's a little high. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. I mean, you're like, well, we want this, and we want that, and we want that, and we want this. And at some point, you're going to have to... Give it. You might have to give in a little on something that you you, you can't. Look, I can negotiate. We, we want to have. We want a player who can help us now, but who also makes less money and who's not expensive and who isn't this and isn't that. And we do. okay. Be, I can make, make up this, your mind. Yeah. You know? I, listen, I can make this deal happen right now. I'll just take a three percent kicker. Come on, let's make this deal. <laughs> Jay Crowd. I can get you Jay Crowder in a first round pick, and you can have Jordan Clarkson. We can get this thing but, done. But I can you, have this done today. My frustration. If the Suns won. Right. You understand my frustration yeah. is that you every. And I'm not saying you. I'm just saying every barrier that gets thrown up. You know, at some point you have to say, well, we're just going to have to give on that. We're not going to be able to get a player unless who you can know help something us now. that none of us know that you're going to be able to get this player. And, and that was suggested. And you don't want to give that up. That was suggested in the article as well. One assistant general manager told Yahoo Sports, quote, Phoenix either has something in its pocket that they know is good enough for them or they're bluffing. We'll see what happens come D-Day, come opening mm-hmm. night. Um, Say Durant's available in January, but you need those all those picks. I mean, I just, you know, I just... 
I, I don't. I, there's a reason that you don't want to give up a first round pick here. You didn't want to give it up to get Bogdanovich or, you know, you didn't want to, and you're not wanting to give it up to, well, they haven't even inquired about Clarkson, so it's hard for me to say that they want him. Um, but if you did want him, I, you, you would you would have to give up a first to get him. There was one other note in here, too. Crowder's, yeah. this is a quote, Crowder's personality has said to particularly clash with that of Monty Williams, in addition to questions about Crowder's role and contract. Yeah, I disagree that's... with that. As we've said before, Jay will go at Monty, but he'll also go at Chris, and he'll also go at Buck, and that's respected in that locker room. That's respected that he will challenge those guys when those guys are you know not giving their all. Like Chris Paul is... If he's not giving his all, Jay's the only guy on that team will challenge him. Same thing with Book and same thing with Monty. So I don't think it's clashing. I don't think it's clashing. I just think that he is, he's, and you just got to respect that if you're one of those players or coaches that he, he'll come after you if you're not giving everything you have. It's another Wednesday, which means it's another opportunity for Cliff Kingsbury to be asked questions about the slow starting Cardinals offense. What were today's answers on that? You'll hear next on Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Tell you what, Robbie Ray keeps serving up meatballs to Jordan Alvarez. The Cardinals won't have to worry about changing their kickoff time against the Seahawks. Oh, man. In and out in three games, baby. They'll be just fine if those meatball subs keep coming Jordan Alvarez's way. If if I get a Dodgers-Astros World Series, I'm out. I I, I don't even want to watch. You know I, have, I just don't even want to watch. You might get a co-sign on that one for me. I, I, don't, I don't know care. if I'd have any interest in that at no, all. None. I really don't. I, those are two teams I'm just really tired of. I'm tired just of me too. seeing them. I'm tired of hearing Dodger, about them. Dodgers, yeah. Astros, I'm bailing. Makes me want to bang a trash can or something if that happens. <laughs> Frustration, right? Bang a gong. <laughs> well, or just cheat, you know, whatever it takes. Uh, Mitch is in for Eric day two. Well, of course, Mitch wasn't going anywhere. He's always here, but Eric is out. So Mitch is in. He's got our Twitter poll question of the day. Mitch, what do you have for us? You yeah. can check out any time you want, Mitch, but you can never leave. <laughs> Hotel California is <laughs> killing me. All right. we. Do you want to do the one or do you want to do, do, just just do, do the one? The Cardinals one because I, I thought this was a good question. I, I really I think did. it is, too. I, I, I think it's worth discussing and debating, but go ahead. Take it away. Not to spoil too much, but the Cardinals going against the Seahawks. You guys had a brief conversation to start the show about just how miserable the rush defense is for Seattle. So bad. So we're curious how that will impact the Cardinals players on Sunday. Who will lead the Cardinals in rushing yards? Will it be James Conner, Eno Benjamin, Kyler Murray, or someone else? I think that's a good question. Our audience, it's a runaway. Uh, but I, I think I'll, I'll vote Eno right now. Put me down for Kyler. Ooh. Put me down for Kyler. Okay. He me, doesn't run. I know, but he's going to in this game. Can I ask you a follow-up let me, then? Let me pick the guy who doesn't run. <laughs> he's going to in this game. Can I ask you a follow-up then, sure. Bernsey? The first rushing attempt that Kyler Murray has will be in what quarter? I better be in the first quarter. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm, I'm going to seriously just go okay. crazy if we have to wait until eight minutes to go in the third quarter before Kyler's first rushing You're going to go crazy attempt. on you. I will. I'll do something. Uh, all right, is At it, least burns has got a heart. Crazy uh, on you. <laughs> Eno in a runaway, I assume? Yeah, quite the runaway. 73.2% of the audience right now going with Eno Benjamin. 16.3% say Kyler Murray. So he's at least in second in this poll. How about other? What's other got? Other's got 2.4. Uh, Keontae Ingram or one of the new guys. Okay, 2.4. Yeah. All right. Interesting to see how that'll turn out a couple hours from now. We'll see. We'll see what happens with James Conner. I I just, I I think 
he's the best proven runner you've got on the team. I mean, nothing against Eno. We should be looking at your chops. If you're James Conner, you're almost looking at your chops to play in this game. Like, I got a 100-yard game. Like, just play. Just all I got to do is show up. Yeah. It's like putting your name on the exam and you get a certain amount of points. Show up against Seattle, you get 100 yards. I'll throw this in. I know you guys are not big fans of fantasy, but right now, Eno is projected somewhere between 10 and 11 fantasy points on Sunday. That's pretty good. That's actually, that. that's kind of what you would get out of an RB2 or an RB3 to power flex guy, depending on what you were looking for there. Okay, so he's he's projected. Thank you, Mitch. That's our poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where you can find it. We mentioned at the beginning of the show all the different moves that were made official today. Uh, Matt Amendola signed off the practice squad to be the kicker. Uh, Matt Prater's already been ruled out or, or most likely not going to play. Uh, the running back room, Daryl Williams, looks like he's not going to play, though Cliff wouldn't confirm that. What there was another move that we didn't mention, and that was wide receiver Laquan Treadwell, who was added to the practice squad. Three different players added there. He, of course, a bigger wide receiver. Now, he's hopped around, former first-round pick. Yeah. And he's been on, like, five different Ole teams. Miss, I think. Ole Miss I believe guy. you're correct, yes. You know, he's, big, he's got size, and that's what they, you know, you, you, with the Antoine Wesley gone, he gives you another, you know, option with some size. Again, just at this point, you're just filling in a lot of holes and getting guys on a practice squad for depth just in case. Yeah. Yeah, and a reminder today, they just did a walkthrough. They've got the Thursday night game next week. they got so many guys banged up. They just did a walkthrough of a practice today and not a practice practice. So all of the injury reports we're getting are basic guesstimations of how much they would have been able to do if they had actually had practice. Now, it's Wednesday, so Cliff met with the media, and Coach Kingsbury was asked once again about the slow starts, how we're seeing the, them, them develop, and how they dictate things early. Uh, uh, you know, I... I think it starts with me and making sure we're, you know, those first 10 whatever scripted plays are, are on point. Everybody's in sync and we know them and, and we know we can be effective. And, and then we just got to go out and execute. You know, what we've seen in practice all week hasn't been showing up in those first couple of series for whatever reason. And I don't know if we're too excited and too too hyped up, whatever, but it, it's got to change because I think we've led. 10 minutes and five games and um, that, that is no way to survive an NFL season. Just copy and paste that, and we'll use it again next week. Well, you can, and you can hear nah, it, his exasperation in the first, you know, before he even uh, answers the question. First 15 uh, plays. Uh, you know. uh, like, oh boy, here we uh, go again. I got to answer this one. My plays suck. I don't like, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's just, it's frustrating. There's no answer. Nobody has an answer. Nobody has an answer. You sit there, you you know, all week long, you guarantee. It's not like this is a rookie coach and deer in headlights. I mean, this guy's been a head coach in this league for, this is his fourth year here. He just got an extension. Like, he's, he's, he's done this his whole life, you know, put a bunch of plays down. This is how we're going to start the game. It's just not working right now. None of those plays are working. They're not getting anything down the field. They're not moving the change. They're punting, you know, three and outs a lot. I, I, I would think that this is the recipe for success. The Seattle defense should you be the recipe so. for success. If it's not, they're in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, I, and I think that's, okay, certainly the slow starts are the most frustrating element of this. No one's going to say anything differently. But I think the idea that they just don't know why or they don't have any answers for it is almost as frustrating, right? Like, like hearing the constant, I don't know, Cliff doesn't know, Kyler doesn't know, nobody seems to know. Zach Ertz, after Sunday's game, said, hey, I'm open to suggestions. Anybody who wants to pass along an idea of how we can start faster, let we, let me know. It's frustrating enough to watch it happen, to experience it happen. Kyler said that? Uh, Kyler, Kyler, no, what Kyler said, I'm glad you corrected me. Kyler said, we didn't do anything different this week. Okay. We didn't put, but Zach said, I have no idea. I'll take your suggestions. 
Kyler, Kyler running the basically ball. said, I, I, look, we didn't do anything different this week. We prepared the same. It's just not, it's just not happening. I think they should run Kyler more earlier in these games. I'm not a coach. I'm not looking at the film. I might not know what the hell I'm talking about. But that seems to be something that when they do, it works successfully for them in terms yeah. of wins and losses. And yet they seem to wait awfully late in these games before they do it. I don't know why they wait that long before busting it out. I, I, I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. I want to see Kyler run more early in these things. Yeah, we joke around, right? I joke around like they should run the Statue of Liberty. They should run a flea. They should run a triple reverse. No, they don't need to do any of that stuff. Okay. That's all a joke because it's like it's it's been pathetic what they've done in the first quarter, not being able to move the balls. They just have to execute these police plays. You got to execute these plays. You know what the plays are. You practice them. You go over them. You know what the plays are. They're not executing the plays. For whatever reason, like, and I've said this to you in, in looking at game film. I, I mean, I think a lot of the plays are fine. Like, there's stuff that's open and just not hitting on it. So it's just a matter of just going out there and being, and, and to a man, man, you got to be frustrated with this, embarrassed oh, by sure. this, humiliated by this, and want this, this terrible streak of failures in the first quarter to end. You can text us your thoughts on the slow starting Arizona Cardinals again to the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. Now, when we come back, we go up to the Pacific. Pacific Northwest, and we check in with one of our favorite guys up there to talk Seahawks football. They've had an interesting start to their season despite the 2-3 and three record. Great on offense, terrible on defense. Why? We'll find out next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons, 2-6 till six on the Arizona Sports App. Welcome back. It's the Burns and Gambo Show here in the flagship home of the Arizona Cardinals, 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. It's Seattle week, which means we've got a, a couple of go-to guys that we like to turn to in the Seattle area to talk about the Seattle Seahawks. And one of them, who we had on the show a couple times last year, from the athletic website, Michael Sean Dugar. We like to call him Mike. He joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show to talk Seahawks football. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, doing oh, right. First, I'd like to, uh, you know, I'd like to apologize for Robbie Ray. We had him here. We probably should have expected that to happen. So we want to apologize to all the Seattle fans for, for Robbie Ray's uh, one at bat yesterday. Uh, yeah, that was that was brutal. I'm not like a, I, I understand baseball, but like I had to text a bunch of people who know more than me. Like, hey, is this a bad decision Scott's doing? Is this good? Like, is this normal to put a starter in? You know, so I got the context later. And then when, you know, the result happened, I was, uh, uh, Scott Service is a lucky man. He's lucky he's in a pretty media, uh, team-friendly media market because based on what I've learned about that decision and that result and that situation, if he was the manager of the White Sox, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the he his head would be on a stake uh, this morning, uh, based on just what I've learned about doing that, just making that decision in that in that instance. Yeah, that was that was really good. Yeah, a lot of Diamondback fans want a lot of money with those quick bets because will he give up a single, double, triple, a home run, and it just went right to the home run, and so they probably made a lot of money. All right, let's let's talk Seattle. Let's 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 first start with Russell Wilson. Are you shocked, surprised that Pete Carroll knows something? Uh, getting out of Russell Wilson at the right time, he does not look anywhere near the type of player we've seen for all those years with the Seahawks now in Denver. Yeah, the, the perhaps the most surprising thing about Russell's performance in Denver so far is the lack of accuracy. You know, because of all the traits uh, that quarterbacks have to have, you know, when you're accurate, 
it just makes your job so much easier because you think about being accurate, what that means. You you have arm talent usually. You know, you throw with anticipation usually. You know, like if just when you're accurate with the deep ball, you have good touch. You know, Russell's probably one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league entering the season. He just cannot hit the broadside of a barn on some pretty basic throws, um, as we saw on Thursday Night Football. It's really weird uh, in that regard. Accuracy also usually doesn't fade. As you get older, too, like Tom's still accurate. Drew's arm, Drew Brees, his arm turned into a noodle, but he was still accurate. He just couldn't throw it very far um, anymore. And, you know, Rodgers is however old, and he's still accurate. So your accuracy when you get older is still usually there. Even Matt Ryan's still accurate. So that's really weird um, that Russ doesn't seem to have that part of his game anymore. I don't think Seattle could have anticipated that part because he was still very accurate here. Uh, But then the report coming out that he needs, like, an injection in his shoulder, it was like, oh, well, maybe that's why, because um, the well, only time I've seen him be super inaccurate over an extended period of time in Seattle was when his finger was broken. Um, so maybe maybe it's just an anomaly because he's got whatever shoulder issue, but if this continues, yeah, that's just that's mind-boggling. QB accuracy usually just doesn't fall off a cliff like that. Yeah, Mike Dugar from The Athletic, the beat writer who covers the Seahawks, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. There are no victory laps when you're off to the start the Seahawks are off to or the start the Cardinals are off to, but is there somewhat of a victory lap being taken about Geno Smith and the start he's off to? Or or when we talk about surprises, are, are they even surprised at the high, high level at which he's played so far this year? Yeah, I think like internally, there's a little bit of I told you, probably a lot of bit of uh, I told you so um, with with Gino. You know, like I was um, I was showing some of the guys in the locker room the replays of some of Gino's touchdown throws to the Saints because uh, I don't know if people know this. The players don't get a lot of time to watch the replays of the big plays. I see him on the jumbotron uh, if 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 that you know depending on where they are on the field and then they, when they're on the road for sure they just kind of get dressed and go to the bus um so like some of those guys were seeing the replays like Ty Lockett's first couple touchdowns uh for the first time and it was just like wow like they were a impressed and like yeah man we we knew he could do this um which you know to the to what extent I'm not really sure if they knew that Gino would be through five weeks one of the best quarterbacks in football, they probably just knew that he didn't stink to the level that everyone else thought he stinky, <laughs> and that's probably fair um, because even last year he didn't stink. He was still very accurate. He just wasn't very impactful. He wasn't making a lot of the big time throws that he's making right now. He was just making the throws, just kind of run of the mill, backup, don't make too many game breaking mistakes type of thing. So yeah, I'm sure um, specifically with Pete Carroll, there's a lot of I've been trying to tell you guys this dude can throw. And he wasn't listening to me. Uh, but even then, the counter to that for Pete is like, dude, you didn't even open up the offense till week three. Right, right. So even though, despite that, you didn't probably believe in the dude to this extent, you know, against the Banners and the, and the Broncos. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. But in general, I, I imagine everyone in Seattle in that building, I should say, not outside the building, is like, yeah, we've been trying to tell you Geno Smith's good. Do you think that they would have signed Garoppolo had the 49ers let him go? Uh, that's tough because Jimmy was coming off that bad shoulder and no one had seen him throw. Um, I'm sure they would have wanted to work him out, but if you're going to invest in a dude being a quarterback, you, and you want to see him throw. You know, same thing with, with Baker Mayfield coming off the, the shoulder surgery. You know, like when you have surgery on your throwing arm, which I think it was the case with Jimmy, I think Baker might have been his other shoulder. But either way, that's a big deal. You need both of your shoulders to be uh, effective throwing the football. So I'm not quite sure on that one. And just the idea of signing a guy, let's say this Niners would have cut him on like August 30th or whatever, signing a guy that's a start a week later or something, that's just ridiculous. You just can't expect that 
Um, he could maybe a veteran quarterback could maybe pick up your base defense or excuse me your base offense, your first down, second down stuff, but expecting the dude to come in off the street uh, essentially and then run your third down stuff, your two minute stuff, your red zone stuff, like he would probably train wreck um, unless he's just running the ball in all those situations. So I think it'd be unrealistic for them to have gone after uh, Jimmy. Uh, maybe Baker was probably a little bit more realistic, but I could see why Pete and John were just like, you know what? We'll just take Drew Locke and Gino over those dudes. And they're right. Yeah. Gino's playing worlds better than all of those guys. Yeah. Mike Dugar, uh, Seahawks beat writer for The Athletic, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. Uh, an article you wrote yesterday that we actually referenced a lot during our show because there were just, there was so much good stuff packed in there. It, it's one thing to look at the numbers and, and say the Seattle defense is just awful. And it is just absolutely awful. It, it's another thing to answer the question, why? So I'll, I'll ask you the question, why is Seattle's defense as bad as it is? Yeah, it starts up front, which is a little cliche, I know, but the more I study football and the more I look at particularly bad football uh, on defense, I see why coaches just start there because you really are screwed if things are bad at the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball. Um, If your offensive line stinks, I don't care if you've got Sean McVay and all of his buddies calling your offense, it will stink. I don't really care what you run. And the same thing is true mostly on defense. You look at Seattle's run defense, and it's not like their scheme is bad. They run 3-4 mostly, and then they, they run some nickel fronts with four down linemen and they swap a DB for a, a defensive tackle on passing downs, and they just get blown off the ball. You know, he, There's nothing good linebackers, even the best of linebackers, can do really um, when their D tackles are getting double teamed and then the center's climbing to them and they have to shed a 300-pounder before trying to tackle Alvin Kamara. That's just tough. I don't care who you are. You're Bobby Wagner in his prime, Luke Keekley, Navarro Bowman, or whoever. That's just Ray Lewis. You just can't consistently do that and expect to have uh, a really good run defense. So it starts there. The D-line is just getting blown off the ball. Just pretty much, no matter what the run is, running power, running duo, off tackle, which is killing them uh, for the first uh, couple games because their edge defenders are really bad. It's just just getting blown off the ball. And then when that's the case, well, now your DBs basically have to come up and tackle. And that's been a struggle. Um, that was really a, this has been a struggle on pretty much all of the big runs uh, they've given up, whereas the 50-yarder to Debo Samuel in Week 2, the 50-yard touchdown to Jamal Williams in Week 4, Taysom Hill 60-yarder last Sunday. It's just all of those plays, I'm pretty sure, a DB – missed a tackle, and then boom, the guy was gone. And that's a product of their D-line getting blown off the ball. So uh, it, that is the, the root of their issues. Like they're bad in the passing game, too, but um, up front, they're just getting blown off the ball. And then once that happens, you can't defend anyone uh, in the running game. Uh, we understand the practice squad real well. The Cardinals signed two running backs to the practice squad yesterday because they beat up a running back. But I think we were all taken aback a little bit with the Bruce Irvin signing by Seattle. I mean, we remember him from 2012 through 15 with Seattle, and he was great. But since then, he went to Oakland, Atlanta, Carolina, back to Seattle, to Chicago. What did you think of uh, them putting him on the practice squad? A desperate measure, or, or, or do they feel like he can come in and play? Uh, a little bit of both, probably a desperate measure, uh, in part because of some injuries. You know, they came in thinking that Alton Robinson, a uh, third-year guy out of Syracuse, was going to be healthy and part of their outside linebacker group. He's still on injury reserve, and I don't even think he's been designated to return. So you're losing a guy there. Daryl Johnson has a foot sprain. Uh, he had been he started, I think, against the Lions and didn't make it through the game. Uh, so you just lost another outside linebacker there. 
And so they just, they just need bodies there. They called up a guy from the practice squad to play against the Saints, Christian Jones, but that, that's not sustainable. So you got to find a body. Um, and so, and like I mentioned, those off tackle runs have been killing them um, because their edge guys are just getting blown up, uh, whether by tackles or tight ends or pulling guards or whatever. So um, they have to find an issue there. And Bruce isn't the same guy from 2015 and 2012 run that you mentioned there. But I mean, shoot, he can still set an edge. You know, at the end of the day, that's just about leverage, technique, and playing strong. And that's one of those. I mean, Bruce is a dad. He's probably got dad strength. You know, he can set an edge uh, against a tackle. It was interesting. I was trying to show people on Twitter that Seattle's kind of been doing this 3-4 thing for a while, and I wanted to show that Bruce has been in it. Literally the first play of the last game he played in against the Patriots in week two of 2020, the the uh, Patriots run like an off-tackle run. Bruce uh, squares up the, I think they have a six lineman in, squares him up, kind of two gaps it. The running back comes in the hole, Bruce sheds his block, tackles do for like gain of only like two or three. It's like, boom. Now, granted, that's two years ago, but that that play, literally the first play of the last game he played shows why they want Bruce back because their edge guys are not doing that. They're getting just blown off the ball, and then the linebackers have to flow, and then it's a mess, and they get up 200 yards. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how effective Bruce could be, but I can see the role they, they want him to play in right now. Mike, we always appreciate the time. Thanks for carving out a few minutes for us. We look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's Michael Sean Mike. from The Athletic, the Seahawks beat writer, joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show on this Wednesday, are we about to go through another song and dance with the Suns and a former first-round rookie? That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show.